Every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. All right, we are back, and we actually do have our CFL analyst from where are you right now, Curtis? In Saskatchewan somewhere, checking out the I- Rough Riders. Uh, actually, Saskatchewan's in town, so I'm um, just by their hotel talking to some players and uh, getting a low down on it. <laughs> oh, yeah? No. I'm in my bed. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, before we went to break, Curse, we were talking. I was trying to put my finger on a Blue Jay who had been drafted by another professional team, uh, football, and uh, was escaping my mind and Pierre's as well. The answer was Dave Winfield. He was drafted by in the CFL? Dave Winfield. No, not the CFL. This has nothing to do with the CFL right now. This is just, we, we were talking NBA before. We were talking oh. about Zion Williamson, and I made a over-under joke bet about how long it would take him to be a tight end in the NFL, just eat himself out of the NBA. Right. And we talked about dual. Anyway, Dave Winfield, Pierre, for the record, um, drafted by the Padres in the first round, baseball player, sure. Yes. Was also yeah. drafted in the fifth round by the NBA, the Atlanta Hawks. Hmm. But also in the fourth round of the ABA to the Utah Stars. No and kidding, eh? Although never playing football in college, was drafted in the 17th round by the Minnesota Vikings. Listen, we saw Dave Winfield with the Blue Jays at the tail end of his career. But... Um... We, I mean, I certainly wasn't old enough to to see him when he was with the Yankees in his heyday and and the Padres. He was a remarkable athlete for a big man. Mm. I mean, he's up there. He's got to be top fifty in in uh, all time home runs. Um, he was remarkable. He and he was instrumental in that Jays uh, team winning their first World Series. But I wonder if there was a, a connection with the Padres because they were pipelining a lot of guys back and forth, like the Joe Carter trade. Yeah. He was with the Padres, right? Wasn't so, Delgado a Padre at 1.2? Del, I don't th- I think Delgado was always homegrown. He, if he did go to the Padres, it was later in his career. But, oh, maybe he went uh, after. Yeah, yeah Delgado Del was a system guy. But, yeah, there must have been a pipeline between the two teams back then. It was a – off the record, was it Tony Fernandez and Fred McGriff for Carter and Alomar? Oh, McGriff is who I'm thinking of, not Delgado. Oh, the, the crime dog. Crime dog. Remember, McGru- well, it was a play on McGruff, the crime dog, whatever they called him, McGriff, it. the crime dog. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I figured you get it, but yeah. I just I may not have seen it. Roadhouse, but I've seen <laughs> <laughs> the crime dog. Kurt, Kurt, yeah. your brother's never seen Roadhouse. That's that's uh, that's crazy. Have you? An all-time, yeah, of course I have. I've seen it a couple times. Okay, uh, yeah. so my idea was when we were about to go to break, I, I was like, why don't we uh, queue up like uh, you know that segment where Dalton goes into the freezer and sees the guy sleeping with uh, having relations with the girl in the freezer, and then Dalton's like your history, and the guy's like, "Well, I'm on my break." <laughs> <laughs> so I, wouldn't that be a cool uh, soundbite to have whenever we go to break for the future? And then we just play that. Well, I'm on my break. <laughs> That's an excellent <laughs> idea, actually. I think Brock's probably one of the only ones that hasn't seen that movie. Then, oh, Frere and I have seen it like a thousand times. We actually pause. And uh, recite all the lines. Um, uh, Jules, we also, my friend Jules also watches that quite often. So, oh, does he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which won't surprise a lot of people. That's so, <laughs> that's so great. Woo! 
It might be also the reason why I wasn't looking to watch it. If Julius oh, is brought. all into it, that can't be good. Uh, Instant classic. Dave Winfield, 36 all-time home run leader. What, what did I say? Top 50? You said top, top 50. 50. So you in there. Yeah. I mean, Brock, I, you know, I'm, I'm more right than I am wrong most times in life when it comes to sports. <laughs> it's a coin flip. But. A good... <laughs> uh, okay. Are you done patting uh, yourself on the back? I'm glad to see uh, the Blue Jays still battling for that wild card spot, as you predicted, though. That was good. <laughs> Right in the mix. Say all the time. I said most times. Right I'm really, I really failed there, boys. Hey, uh, how about Mike Trout tonight having seven RBIs? Oh, I don't watch baseball. Well, <laughs> Mike Trout has all their. <laughs> Mike Trout has all the the Anaheim Angels RBIs tonight. All seven of them. A grand salami and a three-run dinger. I feel a lot of people are like me, where they they kind of lose interest in baseball once the Blue Jays are out in like a month and you know what i mean they're what 18 19 games back uh no hope in yeah. hell and there's still like three quarters of the season left to play it doesn't make a lot of sense to me you know it's funny hey, brock that curtis mentions that like we were just talking with your brother-in-law what maybe what was it three weeks ago yeah and we were talking about the kids and you know how the, some of the jay struggles and at that point you know guerrero was coming up and i he was must see tv actually i actually left mm-hmm. work early one time to come and to to watch his maybe second game, I think it was. I'd I'd missed the first part of his first game, but now I could care less really. And I, I you know, I, he's going to be an amazing him and Biggio and Bichette. They're going to be all great in a couple of years. They already are. Like Biggio looks fantastic at the plate, but I don't care because they're so far out of it. Like Kurt said, yeah. they they have no chance of making a playoff spot at this point. Now it's their roster is struggling. Like they actually uh, smokes on the table list now. Edwin Jackson, who's a Absolute fucking hot mess is uh, on the DL. They picked him up just as a band aid to fill out the the rotation. I, I don't know. It's a, it's bad. Their lack of depth at pitching is is just horrendous. It's, it's starting to show. Their bullpen's already worn out. It's not even July. So yeah. yeah so I do you I, think they'll do well against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this week? <laughs> <laughs> way off track. <laughs> We're way off. Way off. My bad. My bad. Our bad. You're bad. No, who's bad? So off who's track. Bad? You guys started with baseball. I don't know what's going on. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we want to talk a little CFL, eh, Brock? Yeah, we're talking CFL, not the NFL. CFL, not the NFL. Why I am I like... hungry for Wendy's? <laughs> <laughs> all right curtis we are after week one and the ottawa red blacks have beaten calgary in calgary for the first time since 2008 after all those key guys have been moved on and different guys coming in what are your thoughts after week one pleasantly surprised um I guess everyone had Calgary to win that game, as did I. Uh, tuned in for it. Uh, they looked pretty good, uh, especially defensively. Uh, offensively, I think that's where... I think Red Blacks, well, they, they were projected to be bottom, second bottom last with Saskatchewan, I think, Pierre. I think yeah. Saskatchewan was supposed to be dead last, and Red Blacks are eighth, I think, projected. Um, mm. So, yeah, it was, it was great. Great start. Who... Well, I know Pierre's got a couple of questions too, but who do you think is going to be the biggest breakout star for the Red Blacks this year? 
That's a, that's a tough question, actually. Uh, well, I I mean, the easy answer is going to be Moises Sadu, um, just because of the opportunity. I think uh, looking at uh, I always I always like Dominic Rhymes. Um, I think he was kind of a forgotten man with the other uh, Ellingson and Spencer and uh, Sinopoli. They're getting a lot of the targets, probably a lot of the attention. But Rhymes always seemed to be like the the big receiver with pretty sure hands. Uh, got a lot of looks too, and uh, especially when Harris was throwing him the ball. So I'm, uh, if they can find some rhythm with uh, either Dominic Davis or Jennings, whoever emerges as a number one, I think uh, I think he has a, a shot at really uh, shining through. You know what? I was going to say R.J. Harris, but I, I, that's a that's a good pick, uh, Curtis. Like, you know, they lost a ton, right? I mean, yeah. we, we forget they lost Spent Deontay Spencer early. When he went to, uh, I think he's in Pittsburgh's camp. Whether yeah. he makes it makes the camp breaks camp with the Steelers is another. Do, do the Red Blacks have his rights? I don't think that. No, they don't have his rights. They released him. So, but I mean, the uh, I follow a little bit of social media with Spencer and stuff. He actually brought and hung his his Red Blacks jersey on his wall down in Pittsburgh. So, I, to me, he loved his time in Ottawa. I think if he ever gets cut from Pittsburgh, I think he's going to want to come and play here. Um, that's my view of things. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping selfishly that he gets cut by Pittsburgh and he can wind up back here. But at the same time, it would be kind of cool to see him uh, excel in the NFL as well. Is that a negotiation list uh, possibility though as well? I do know I've been on it a couple of times, but I don't even know what the rules are of it. So if he gets cut, if some other team has put him on the negotiation list, even though he's already played in the CFL, do you know anything about those rules? No way. I yeah, I'm not sure about the specifics on that, but I have uh, to that's check a good that question. Because it may not even be his option if another team has put him on the negotiation list. At least for those who don't know, um, again, I don't know all the rules, but if you're on a negotiation list and there's only a limited amount of players that could be on a on a team's neg list, um, those are when uh, like teams like Montreal puts uh, Tim Tebow on their neg list. Or, well, shit, they put Brock Fleming on their neg list at 1.2. But um, where if that player doesn't make the NFL or doesn't ends up coming to the CFL, then they're the team that has the exclusive rights to negotiate a contract with them. It's not an open market thing. So I don't know if uh, that's something we have to check up on. But if Spencer's on a team's neg list and if that happens to be Ottawa or if it's a different team. He has a he has a chance to to make Pittsburgh squad. They uh they had a really 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 sure handed punt and kick returner in uh, Ryan Switzer who's still there. Like he was he did he did the job, but he did he provided no yards after catch. Like he was you know it was uh, he just didn't muff the ball, which is really all they wanted from their special teams. Their special teams were awful last year, but he's a playmaker. You know, Stefan Logan carved out himself a pretty decent NFL career returning kicks after being very successful in the CFL. So, you know, but Spencer, I thought had a little more talent. Like he was a great receiver for, for the red blacks last year. Just uh pure, pure speed. Right. So he yeah. got that separation with that big field that he just took advantage of it. He really did. And, you know, he had, there was some really great chemistry with Harris, uh, but you know, that's sort of leading up to uh, sort of my next question for you in terms of the red blacks, so, you know, I thought Dominic Davis under the circumstances going into a hostile environment in Calgary, I didn't think they were going to come out with a victory. In fact, I thought it would, it could have gotten ugly considering all the changes uh, 
he showed me a lot. And look, his first pass was a pick deep in their own zone. It could have been a pick six. Uh, somebody made a tackle and, you know, Calgary ended up scoring. But, you know, that's a, that is like, that's disheartening, right? Your first series, your first throw, intercepted. And where do you go? He ends up coming back and having a, having a great game. And really, out of the four picks he threw, two of them were, I would call, legit. And the other two were off receiver's hands. So I thought he showed really well. And he is he's built like a shit brick house. I didn't realize he was, he was that much of a presence in terms of uh, his physical stature. And he looks chiseled. He looks like a player, you know. And he, anyway, I just want to know what your thoughts are on Dominic Davis. Uh, you know, we both we both have had many conversations about him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love him. Uh, I I love him amazingly. I think I'm a little bit like my dad was always clamoring <laughs> to get him. I was at the games and he'd be losing his mind, and uh, Paris was off his game, and he'd just be you know yelling for Davis to get in there for a shot. And whenever he went in, he he, he threw nice balls. He he had a, he has a cannon of an arm. Uh, yeah. He can move. Harris looked like uh, Marino back there with his mobility, uh, and <laughs> and uh, David to come in and scramble and make plays. I think that's that's what you need in the CFL, right? You need playmakers, and yeah. uh, and I think he brings that element to the table way more than uh, than uh, well Trevor Harris did, obviously. Just to uh, clarify, Pierre, it's a brick shit house, not a shit brick house. You've said that twice. <laughs> 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 my bro- I gotta blame. I gotta blame my brother for that. It's, uh, you know, it's the uh, the the fish that saved Pittsburgh. You can uh, you could probably guess where what uh, my brother and I switched that to after a few years. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, that's a that's another that's a long story, guys. Uh, but no, like I thought that Davis really really looked like an athlete, and you nailed it, Curtis. Like to be to be able to actually roll out. Run some rollouts off the off the read option, which is which is Brock. I want to talk to you about this a little bit too. You know, you, you don't see guys under center anymore. It's virtually uh, non-existent in the CFL. You still see some uh, under center play in the NFL, but it's all shotgun, uh, you know, read option kind of stuff from the, in the CFL. You know, what are the advantages and disadvantages of being in a shotgun all the time, or are they are there any disadvantages? Is it just better to be? in shotgun all the time from a, from a quarterback's perspective, what is the benefit of that um, in terms of deception and being able to trick the defense? If one, maybe one of you guys can answer that. I'm curious to know your, your thoughts. Um, well, I think, well, anyway, in my opinion, it, uh, I mean, the reason we're seeing more and more of that is because college is very much that same game. Um, it does implement a bit more, uh, there's a lot more creativity in the college ranks. And I think kids and offenses are going more to a, a shotgun, a straight shotgun, or even a, a pistol type uh, um, snap. And uh, because of that, a lot of kids, quarterbacks, their footwork is not good enough to be a, a, a seven step drop quarterback. They just don't have that. There's an advantage from the quarterback because one, he doesn't, he's not worried about getting out. So some guys that are, you know, maybe smaller in stature too. If you're right up in the, as soon as the ball is snapped, you're coming back. Those big guys stand up in front of you, and your vision is going to be limited. So I think like Flutie, you know, did some of that stuff as well, which helped him see uh, the field a little bit better without having to escape all the big guys standing in front of him. There's a bit more of a uh, an opportunity to. Uh, take some of the 
I don't want to say thinking out of it, but some of the reaction stuff that has to happen naturally while you're reading, you take that out of it so they can just focus on reads. But that also takes away some of the, you know, we don't see a lot of the, the hard nose runs anymore either where the running back is running straight downhill, getting the ball from the quarterback and continuing downhill because they're taking these handoffs laterally or right next to them at the, the shotgun stuff. So it's getting a bit more, I don't know, fancy runs, I guess, versus the, the old, the hard nose. And that's a product I think of bringing the quarterback away from the line of scrimmage and not allowing the running back to kind of get that running start. Um, anyway, it's a, it's all system based, but it, you got to go with what your kids can do. And um, I've had a few coaches comment on the kids just don't drop step anymore. They just don't as a quarterback. So if they're not putting that system, it's tough to do. And Tebow's a good example of that. I mean, they talk about story mechanics and whatnot, but in, in college, it was a spread. You know, he was always out of shotgun or pistol, uh, a lot of lateral moves, um, and he had to work on his, his feet when he got to the NFL because he just hadn't done it in college. That's right. You know, I, I think, you know, when I look back at footage from uh, the NFL in, uh, in the, the 80s, really, when it was the prototypical, you know, uh, snap and then, you know, drop back seven steps, plant, have a little bounce and then toss a cannon like John Elway used to do. You know, I, I think to Montana. But I think what you lose a little bit from being in the shotgun is that there's that deception, that, that hard play action stuff that you can get away with. You hand off your back is virtually to the line of scrimmage when you're when you're taking the handoff from the snap. If when you turn the handoff, it's hard to hide the ball. So I, I find play action works a lot better personally, just, just from the, uh, from the eye test, from watching a football game, it works a lot better when it's out of the, when it's from uh, under center, when you're running a play action pass, yeah. uh, than it, than it does from, from the shotgun, you know? And I, again, I, you're talking to a traditionalist. Like I, I like old school football. I like uh, running on first down. I like, um, you know, taking a, taking a defense's will, snuffing out their will and their soul on first and second down. And then, then you start with the play action. And I know that's sorry. It's a little, I mean, that's a little dramatic, but that's how I like my football. If I built a team, it yeah, would be you're a uh, Steeler fan. That's what the Steelers were built on. Right. Boring you know, football. Cold weather football, cold weather football. Now back to the CFL, the running game isn't really a huge part of the CFL. Although William Powell is going to get a shit ton of carries uh, in the next six weeks as Zach Caleros recovers from a cheap hit from, Simone Lawrence, who Brock, you called maybe the dirtiest player in the in the CFL. Curtis, what's your take on? Did you you've clearly seen some of the highlights of that hit? Um, do you know anything about Simone Lawrence's history? And is that something that surprised you? Um, I've tell you the truth, I just kind of researched his history when I when I saw the hit and I heard people talking and whatnot. The, the the hit itself was you know it was garbage. Uh, quarterback giving himself up like that players know you know you you take you take a shot and and he did and you know I, he probably deserves more than in one game in my opinion but it's two uh, he's got two, two right now it's oh, two. two okay and the um players oh, union is yeah. fighting it they are is he sorry is he a repeat offender um I, to that extent uh i don't know i know he's not a um I don't have the history, but I know he's notoriously playing on the edge all the time. Yeah. You know, I followed him before he got in the league, 
I don't know if I know you guys remember, the Edmonton Eskimos had a show. I can't remember what it was called, but it was following five rookies through camp and trying to make the team and all that kind of stuff. And Simone Lawrence was one of them. And he ended up making it. Um, So I've kind of followed his career because I followed that show just to kind of watch and see what they were covering. Um, But he plays on the edge all the time. That's just... That's the kind of player he is. And, you know, I agree. There's no, there's absolutely no room for that. It was feet first. And uh, the fact that they're fighting the two games, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen because this is an opportunity for the league to set a precedent. And, um, you know, if they happen to reduce it, I think that's, they're setting a precedence one way or the other. So, yeah. Uh, I'd have to agree there. And, you know, the, the CFL, I mean, in many ways, and I say this all the time to people who, anyone who listen, the CFL game is, and they, people think I'm crazy for saying this. I think the CFL game is forward thinking when it comes to their rules. You know, we see the NFL starting to implement stuff the CFL has put into place five years already, like the uh, ability to, to uh, challenge a pass interference, or, or at least the NFL is considering it, where the CFL has said, you know what? fuck it, let's try it. You know, let's see how it goes for a year. Um, the quality of refereeing, I, I I don't know enough about refereeing. It's a hard job. I don't know enough about refereeing to know if the CFL referees and or, and or NFL have a harder job. Uh, I see more mistakes in the NFL than I do the CFL. And I know the CFL does their very best to right or wrong when uh, when it comes to a play call on the field. You know, you see, I see some bad calls in the CFL, but I see them re- reverse pretty quickly. And I gotta, you got to give kudos to Randy Ambrosi and the CFL brass uh, for th- forward thinking when it comes to N- CFL rules. It's, it's a, it is for me. It's a more entertaining game. We, we both know the run game is sort of secondary in the CFL. It's a passing league. It's a huge field. There's an extra player on the field. There's a lot of excitement. So you know when it comes to the CFL, and, and I'm throwing this at you, Chris. I don't think we actually had a chance to chat about what, what we're going to ask you, but I'm throwing this out, putting you sort of on the spot here. Is there a rule in the CFL that you like or dislike that this, the NFL doesn't have? I well, you, you mentioned the pass interference. You're able to challenge it uh, in the CFL. I uh, I have very mixed feelings about it. I, I like the fact that we can do reviews, but I find it's just gone too far. As uh, you have a coach throw a flag for interference that happened on the opposite side of the field that the play was thrown at. So you have a receivers. There's no like, not even had to do with the play right so it's the uh, receiver mm-hmm. on the opposite side maybe got like touched a few like you know wrestled a little bit and they're they're giving him uh, the penalty for that like it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me so you, you just think it slows the game down is it or or is it because i mean if i you have two cha- guess, whatever two challenges three challenges yeah i just think if you take the whole field of the play you're going to find a penalty somewhere in there whether it's on the line where it's uh, you know opposite field with the with the other receiver or whatnot. Are you get, what's next? You're going to be able to throw a fa- flag to challenge a holding on the offensive line. You're going to find one every play. Every single play. If you're not holding, you're not really blocking. That's right. Um, no, and it's chintzy is what it is. Um, I do. I agree uh, wholeheartedly. I I think it's good that they can challenge things, but um, and I do like that the CFL opens that up to be able to challenge more. Uh, a variety of plays, um, plays that would have a potential of being very um, impactful on a game and whether or not a team wins or loses. 
But at the same uh, same thing, if the, the pass interference is on the other side of the field, the quarterback is not – I mean, I don't know. I guess it's tough. Like, say, you know, uh, defender and whatever. If it's blatant, like the, the Saints one, let's say, where the guy gets tackled, then I would expect the ref to see that. When they do the replays, generally it's not something that's super obvious, but when you slow motion something down that that slow with that high-def camera, you're going to see something that you could interpret as being interference. And I agree. If the ball is not thrown to that receiver and he's on the other side of the field, really has nothing to do with that play, um, I don't think... I mean, there's, there's some situations that the, the quarterback doesn't even look his way. No, I say okay if yeah. you know yeah. if, if the quarterback looked his way and he was being interfered with so he didn't have a chance and then he checks back to a different guy. But I mean, like we have these two step backs, two um, two step drop backs. The guy's throwing only has one direction he's going to throw. You can tell by his by the way he's looking at the receiver and and they're throwing they're throwing a flag for the other guy. And it's just it's yeah, that's a lot to interpret eh, as a referee. It's a, that's a ton. Like Impossible. you're basically saying, yeah, like, I, you make a great point. It's like. My first read got held, so I had to go through the second read. The second read dropped it. So I'm going to challenge the first read because I thought it was a holding, but you end up throwing to somebody else. Wow. It it gets really convoluted. At the end of the day, though, I think the CFL gets it right more often than they don't. And look, man, that Saints game, they got hosed. And Well, that's my point. The whole point of replay is to get their play right. Well, they they weren't able to replay it. They didn't have any right. challenges. That's why they couldn't. Well, I just I – was it under – Actually, I don't even know if they can be... uh, review pass interference. Well, I think that's why the whole they're, – they're thinking to break yeah. it because of that one play, right? So, But that's my point yeah. on the CFL side is that, you know, if it's a – if the quarterback can look to a receiver and determine that that's not his first read because it's pass interference – then it's blatant enough that a ref should be able to see that some sort of yeah. holding. But sometimes you're looking over. You're not saying it's pass interference, but the guy's simply not open. Right, and that yeah. quarterback's just seeing he's not open, so he's going to yeah. different reads. So right. to challenge that and say, well, that's pass interference, and they say, well, it was because his left hand was on his hip and gave it a tug or something. The quarterback's not going to be able to see that, um, and it doesn't affect anything. The, the coverage is still there. It's not. Uh, it's not somebody getting tackled. It's not somebody being held, which are those are all things that, that the, the ref would pick up on or is a bit more blatant. But, um, yeah, I mean, whatever. We've seen calls, you know, challenges that really affect and, and change a game pretty quick. Folks, you're listening to uh, Brock and Pep and Curtis's unsportsmanlike convo, and uh, the Flemings are – are really bringing the heat tonight, and uh, we're missing we're missing one Fleming, uh, Mister Fleming, and I'll, I I just I, I know he hates it. I can't. If you're listening, Rob, have a hard time with that. Uh, but your dad is maybe the biggest CFL fan, and I I just love. Uh, I've I've been to a couple of games where he was there, and I had the the privilege of sitting beside him for a bit and uh, and chatting, and he's the he's the perfect cfl fan you know classy enjoys the game enjoys the atmosphere enjoys the a night out at the ballpark and uh uh he's all he's everything that the cfl is supposed to be about when it comes to fan 
So if you're listening out, Rob, uh, he is listening. Well, he's not listening right now, but he's going to listen. He's going to listen. He's listening to he's them all. Listen. I forget I mean, why he caught up on them. He's like, I got them all. When's the next one? You're talking CFL? Give me, let me know when yeah. it is. So, okay. Yeah, we're, we're talking hard CFL. Okay, so I just want to get back to this first week of the CFL. Uh, there are more teams than the Red Blacks. There definitely um, are. Not there many. Some, there. <laughs> there were some uh, pretty interesting scores week one. Um all the games were, were close, surprisingly. And the one that caught my eye was uh, the Edmonton-Montreal game uh, in Edmonton. Yep. Trevor Harris's first game. Trevor Harris looked pretty good. Um, but Montreal put up a fight. You know, it was 32-25 uh, to 25 ended up being the final score. And Montreal wearing those beautiful new uniforms. And we're gonna, we'll rank those a little later. But um, those helmets really, really have sort of grown on me. I, li- I like the, the new M albatross-looking thing that they got on their helmet there. It's uh, pretty nice. But for a quarter and then he kind of struggled uh he's like a, do- a poor man's dominic davis I, I don't think he's their answer so they ended up putting in this adams jr backup who played a little bit last year both guys are very similar they're mobile they can get out of the pocket but brock kurt i, I don't i don't know if montreal has enough talent on the offensive end both at receiver and offensive line to uh, to be able to keep up in in a really pretty weak east so uh, did you see any? First of all, did you watch any of that game? Have you seen any of the highlights? Secondly, what's your take on Montreal this year? Are they are they are they just hoping for the best and hoping for like Hamilton or Ottawa to struggle? Or what's your take? Go ahead, Curtis. Okay. Um, I I didn't watch much of the game. Tell you, I did see the highlights. I've uh, looked at their roster. I think Pipkin got hurt. If I don't, if I wasn't mistaken, I think that's why they put in Adams. So much. Okay. Um, so I think Adams is going to be the guy going forward. Uh, I don't see a lot on their offense, but again, the CFL has so much turnover that it's, it's sometimes hard to know who, who's coming in, who's coming out. Uh, there's guys you never heard of that are signed from the States that come in and rip it up. And there's some guys that just flop. So I think it's a wait and see approach. I don't, I I'm penciling Montreal as being a bottom feeder niece. Uh, I like, I like Hamilton. I like Ottawa, Toronto, then Montreal. That's how I have them ranked. Um, a little bit of homerism with Ottawa. I know a lot of people have them penciled in as a, as a low seed, but uh, was this I, penciled I, in for you before or after week one? Um, I I'd say well, Montreal has always been. Uh, yeah, for Ottawa, I guess is what I'm looking for. For Ottawa, I think we're. I think honestly, I think we're we're spoiled here in Ottawa right now because you know me and you, we grew up Rough Rider fans, and we were just hoping to get in the playoffs. Now, ever since. Uh, uh, the new team's been here. We've hit the playoffs every 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 year, uh, deep into the playoffs. Uh, great teams. Um, so I, I think there's just uh, a lot of hope in there. I think we're getting used to to being one of the top two, right? So, um, like Pierre said, it's a really weak East, I think, and um, I think Ottawa can finish uh, ahead of Montreal and Toronto. Uh, I, I like uh, I like your your picks. I you know again we're picking for we're picking out of four teams, so the margin of error is small, but. Um, I'd, I'd have to flip flop after week one, and I, I I would have said Hamilton, Ottawa. I would have gone exactly with what with what you had, but after week one, I, I got to flip the switch. I saw most of the Hamilton game, Hamilton Saskatchewan game, and you know, as you know, I'm a Rough Riders fan, but I wasn't impressed with the uh, with the Rough Riders offense, uh, and I wasn't re- impressed with the Hamilton offense either. I I thought it was a little bit of a rainy night. That's it's always a factor, but I I've seen enough of Jeremiah Mazzoli to to just. I'm not, I'm not overly impressed by him. He's got good wheels. He's got good size. 
Um, intermediate range, he's got a good good enough arm to get the ball there. But I, you know what? After seeing what I saw with Ottawa, I know it's only one week. You know what am I? Do? I can't I can't base anything off one week. But I saw enough from Ottawa to say, wow, you know what? That's an offensive line that's going to maul some people, right? You know they are really good. Brock, I'm surprised you didn't mention the offensive line for the Red Blacks. I think that yeah. is going to be their strong point this year. Moise, yeah. or, uh, Madu was just running through gigantic holes. Yeah. Like, hats off to Marcel for putting this line together. I mean, this offensive line is made up of first-round draft picks from every year since they've come in, come into the league, and now they're, now they're a unit, right? So uh, it's going to be really fun to see. Moving Mateus to center, like, he's very good. You have Mateus, what he was a first overall draft pick. Yeah. You have uh, McMillan was, but the he first was playing a lot more guards pick. position yeah. as a center. I think the center really solidifies the the O line and brings everybody together, and makes sure everybody's on the same page, because that's the hardest thing is, and the thing that can really blow up a line is if one guy's thinking outside the box in terms of he's he's reading something different than the other four guys. A center keeps everybody together. And if they're on the same page, that's when you can be really effective. And mm-hmm. that did look like their strongest unit on the field uh, in week one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Curtis, who's, who, who rounds out that uh, offensive line? You, you mentioned McMillan. Who's uh, replacing Sir Vincent? Uh, this kid, Corte, Court. He was uh, their draft pick, first round draft pick, I think, ninth overall last year. 23 years old. He, he played great last game. So uh, I think he's from uh, nice and young. Alberta. And uh, yeah, he, he looked great. So we'll see how he, he pans out. And who else they got on the line? Uh, well, they got the right tackle, uh, Lozon Sagan. He's back. Uh, of course. McMillan at right guard, who was the uh, first ever Red black Red Blacks draft pick. And we got Mateus at center. Uh, we got Johnson at left guard, who was another first rounder, ninth overall pick for the Red Blacks. So it's all, all homegrown talent. And, uh, you know, draft well and uh I, marcel obviously likes to go for the the lineman first sure draft pick so why not so you got some familiarity there with some guys who are coming back know the system and then you got a couple of new guys um uh they've got some depth can they withstand an injury off that line though who do they have depth um good question uh <laughs> they've only got like fontana is their sixth yeah. and um i think on their practice roster they got uh, that kid from carlton there daniel lamara is uh, on the practice roster. And then the only non-Canadian offensive lineman that they have is on the practice roster, and that's Seymour kid. All the other six, the starting six are all Canadians. Which generally... You can put those nationals in other positions, right? Yeah, yeah. which is phenomenal. But generally, you'll see a lot of left tackles might be the Americans, or they used to have that stipulation. Hey, we're going to put the left tackle. We're going to bring an American in for that and whatever. But um, no, I mean, they've been... Doing a good job, and they seem to be uh, gelling pretty good, which is, I mean, shoot, that alone can change your offense very quickly. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm anxious to see who emerges as top receivers for this team because I, I look, I look at the, the the depth chart and I can't really pinpoint who these guys are besides Rhymes, who was here last year, and and what they're going to do. I know. Uh, I think Sinopoli falls off. Well, Sinopoli is a side. No, he's going to get a touch. He has seven catches last game. He's going to get targets galore. I just, I just don't know, like the relationship that Harris, Sinopoli, and Ellingson had was oh, quite good. Phenomenal. 
But I, I think just, I think Sinopoli is going to be the safety blanket of, think so? of the offense. I yeah, think. I'd have to I'd have to agree with that. I I I like Sinopoli a lot. I think uh, for for a guy to go into the CFL, converted quarterback in college to do what he's done shows that he's a supreme athlete. And oh, uh, I no question you know, there whatsoever. Great hands. I you know. I, I, I liked him a lot last year. He made a couple of catches last year where I thought, geez, nobody else in the league, Ellingson included, and Ellingson's got great hands himself, but, you know, the ball was usually dead on for him. Uh, Sinopoli made some more more acrobatic catches. So I think he I think he fills in perfectly uh, for uh, to replace what Ellingson brought to the table. Having them both was so dynamic, but, you know, that reminds me of when the Rough Riders had Getzlaff and Dressler and Rob Bag and all those sort of slot shifty receivers who had great hands. You know, they lost two out of the three and they struggled. So will the will the Red Blacks struggle losing Ellingson? It remains to be seen. They certainly looked good last week. But one guy who I really, really liked was R.J. Harris. Um, yeah. Good size, good speed. They talked about him having this is his this is his opportunity. To, to show what he's got, um, you know, and he's got a, uh, he's playing with a can armed quarterback. So, um, you know, that's, I'm excited to see the Red Blacks and I, I'm a Saskatchewan fan when they come to town, but I am a Red Blacks fan. I really enjoyed the going to the ballpark last year. Last year was the first time I attended that many Red Blacks games. It was a great time. Um, I got to see some, some teams I wouldn't normally ever see live. Like, you know, I'm not, when am I ever going to see Edmonton Eskimos unless they come to Ottawa? So it was, it was really, really a a great experience that going to the ballparks, a great experience, but anyway, I'm, I'm off track. Um, I'm sorry. You know, one guy I want to see out of the practice roster is Guillermo Villalobos. (laughs) I've been following this guy since they signed him from the Mexican league. Is he the punter? No, no, he's he was the number one receiver in this Mexican league in the in the, uh, the Mexican league that the CFL is now recruiting out of, and uh, they signed him and uh, he made the practice roster. Apparently, he made a pretty good impression on, on the uh, coaching staff. He's a receiver, so uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him get a shot. You know, what, what, would he would a guy like that dress in a game or would he is he on a practice roster and practice he gets roster. called up? To... Yeah, he doesn't yeah, dress okay. for it. Okay, Villanueva, what's the name? Villanos, Villanos, Guillermo Villalobos. Villa Lobos. Oh, Villa Lobos. Lobos. <laughs> I'm going to get a jersey tomorrow. Wait, what's yeah. his number? Does he have a number? Does he have a number yet? 85. 85. 85? Yeah. Wasn't that Spencer's number? Ocho Cinco. It was the Spencer's number, wasn't it? I think so. Um, was it? Wasn't Spencer 85? I think so. Yeah, maybe. He's got uh, mucho grandes foot, feet to fill. Or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I think I've just offended all of Mexico. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> Clearly. Um, I just want to I want to stay in the East real quick. Uh, the Argos had a bye week because you know ri- the rigors of a long CFL season. I, uh, hey, Ottawa uh, had that last year. Where you get a bye week, week one, week one, yeah. Maybe That's no very, time. very bizarre. They, um, I mean, for all for a lack of a better term, they look like shit. The Argos. Yeah, they look. They don't look very good. I. Um, they don't play in front of a whole lot of people. I don't think people give a rat's ass about football in Toronto, and it's such a shame because the CFL is a great game. Um, yeah. But last they year, some, the, they got some weapons. I think uh, you know Bethel Thompson was no. Uh, he, he played pretty well. They got Walker now. They have uh, still have Green as a receiver. They got uh, they got some good good talent. Bethel Thompson, the Bethel Thompson who who uh, orchestrated the comeback at your yeah. dad's barbecue last year and. Uh, yeah, that'd be, and, the uh, that's the one. That would, yeah, that'd be the one. Okay. <laughs> that'd be the one. <laughs> Who shall be 
remain I nameless. I stand corrected. Yeah. Maybe they aren't shit. Who knows? I uh, I don't have a lot of faith in the Toronto Argonauts uh, this year. Um, who knows? Maybe they, maybe they'll prove me wrong. But I didn't see enough enough from them in the in the preseason to uh, warrant a whole lot of excitement. Um, so yeah, I have them. I have them finishing ahead of Montreal. As a matter of fact, uh, mm-hmm. I got Ottawa, Hamilton, Toronto, Montreal. In the east, so like Brock, it. do you have? Uh, do you want to add to that? Do you have a? Well, a ranking? I'll add to uh, the Argos. Uh, Ottawa native Michael Connor is on their depth chart. I think at number three at the quarterback position. He's a kid who was at Penn State for a year and then transferred to UBC. Um, I also coached against him uh, when I was coaching a Pee Wee or Bantam team in the finals, and he lit us up. Uh, very right. good kid, big kid, uh, all the tools necessary. So for me, I'll be watching him to see if he gets out there. Um, but uh, in terms of the East, um, I have Hamilton, Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal is what I right. have for the East. And that was pre-week one. And I got to say, Ottawa did show me a lot more than I was expecting. And um, you guys hit the nail on the head there in terms of the offensive line and uh, how good they looked. That uh, I think that alone could be uh, the offense was going to be the question mark this year anyway. And when I talk, just to clarify, when I talk about Sinopoli going down, he's had some pretty top notch numbered seasons. And. You know, his routes are a lot of timing and stuff as well. And I just, I said that based on the relationship with Davis and Sinopoli not being the same as Harris and Sinopoli. And with Ellington, uh, Ellingson gone, I think Sinopoli will get more and more attention as he should. Um, taking that safety net away, because the safety net is generally the safer plays, the, uh, um, the shorter plays. So they'll be pulling some of that stuff away and making him try the the lower percentage passes um, and try and confuse him. And I just think that I mean it's it's going to be hard for him to uh, to match his production for the last little while. Not that he's saying not that I'm saying he's going to be unproductive, just not as productive. Kurt, who's uh, in week ten? Who's starting for the Red Blacks? Jennings or Davis? Ah, uh, good question. Yeah, uh, that was my question too. I had that. Good job, Pep. I'm, I'm gonna say Davis. Think he, yeah. think he earns. He's gonna earn. Keep playing at that high level. He 275 yards passing last week. I think he made some I, plays yeah, with his feet. I think for sure, for sure he can. I think he's going to build some little bit of chemistry. He's got to build chemistry with the receivers, but Jenny's gonna to have to do that too. So, I just like the element he brings with the with the uh, scrambling ability uh, and yeah. this overall athleticism. Guys, the, guys, they beat. The defending Great Cup champs in their own barn on opening night—that's you know—that's got to build you a little bit of confidence, if anything, right? And quick, you got to think. Question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The quick question for you, Pierre: Give me the final yeah. score of tomorrow's nice game. Uh, well, well, you want my heart or my brain? Your brain. Oh, uh, give me both. It's gonna look. Saskatchewan came into Ottawa last year with uh, with a, with a very good team, and they got they got a run. Um. I, do, I see a lot of the same tomorrow. Now, mind you, there's rain in the forecast. So rain is the, as far as I'm concerned, in CFL, it's the it's the real, the equalizer. So I, I, I initially had a score of somewhere around 30 to 13 for Ottawa. 
But if it rains, uh, or if it continues to rain, it's supposed to rain in the morning and taper off by the afternoon, and it's supposed to get a little colder tomorrow night. Okay. Um, I, I see a little bit of a closer game, maybe a 22 to 13, 22 to 10 in favor of Ottawa. Uh, I just, you know, I think I hope William Powell comes back and uh, and has a uh, bites bites his team in the uh, in the in the in the butt or the leg. I just don't I don't see it happening. Uh, Saskatchewan's offensive line is just they're porous and. Uh, you know, Caleros was running for his life for the first three or four plays of that game. And, you know, there's now look at them and they've got Fayardo. I maybe have mispronounced that, but their backup is starting tomorrow. He got yanked last week for Harker, who's their third string, who looked pretty good, actually. Good arm. Um, so I, I, I don't have a lot of confidence right now in my in my roughies. Uh, their receivers weren't finishing their routes. They were short arming balls. They weren't helping their quarterback out much. So uh, there's concerns on the offensive end. Defensively, it's an all it's a it's a it's an all star team. Like they've got, uh, they picked up a couple of guys from Calgary. They've got their own guys coming back. Um, you know, uh, is it Micah Johnson? Maybe mispronouncing his name from Calgary. So you know, they they picked up a couple of all stars. Uh, Solomon, Al, my mom would say aluminium, but I maybe <laughs> pronounced that incorrectly. Um, he's he's not going to be ready until week six. But he when he comes to town, hopefully they won't be zero and six by then. So no, I'm going to go with Ottawa tomorrow night. Uh, I think rain will be rain and weather will be a, a little bit of an equalizer, so it may not be as big of a gap. But that's my call, buddy. Yeah, I like it. Okay, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. Yeah, <laughs> we'll take it. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thank you very much for your synopsis on the CFL East and then more importantly the Red Blacks. That's your home team. Um, if you were to give us. Uh, a ranking of the CFL uniforms. We're going to speed through a little bit quicker um, because of the time that we've been putting into this. Um, but Pep had asked me to rate the CFL uniforms. I don't know if he asked you to do that as well. Um, but we're going to go into that. He didn't. No, but uh, look, yeah. If I if I can uh, if I can comment on on that really quick. Uh, the reason I I like the CFL so much has always been the marketing of their teams, uh, the distinct colors of, of the, of each province. Uh, I thought, you know, this, as the NFL expanded, you know, they sort of rushed and put together some really shitty uniforms for expansion teams. And I know we're, we're, what are we talking here, Pep? We're talking uniforms. I get it. it it's, it's just a uniform, but you know, there's real history when you go into green Bay or when you play Oakland or when you play Pittsburgh and you see those colors and, the stadium is surrounded by colors. In fact, Pittsburgh's uh, Heinz Field, all the seats are yellow. Like, there's there's tradition. There's it just it, it brings back a flood of memories. When I look at Jacksonville, I could care less about the teal and black. So when it, when we think about the CFL, every team is really well marketed because they have a distinct logo, they have distinct color scheme. And this year, New Era has taken over the contract for all of the uh, CFL uniforms. It went from uh, well, most recently Reebok to Adidas to now a New Era. Uh, New Era is famous for their hats. Uh, what they've done with some of the uniforms this year is just beautiful. And uh, I'll, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna name mine after Curtis names his. I'm gonna name mine with my heart. Um, what else did you my name brain, them though. with? Was that Unif- uniforms is something you go with your heart. And you yeah, talk absolutely. about New Era and their hats. They got the best hats, hands down. Um, I was disappointed this week when I watched the games and I saw on the sidelines that the coaches were wearing these snapbacks. And yeah, they're a new era. 
That's fine. But I expected 5950s, the fitted, nice, new era flagship hats on the coaches, if nothing else. And yeah. uh, I do know they're making them because I've seen prototypes or the advertising for it, and the hats look awesome. But the oh. coaches weren't wearing them. They had the ones, they all had the generic one that had their sign yeah. and stuff, but they had like a half a maple leaf on one side and a snapback. Yeah. And um, that was disappointing for the opening weekend for me. I would have loved to. I know they fired his ass, but I would have loved to have seen Mike Sherman with a, a new era snapback <laughs> hat. <laughs> Poor bastard got fired with, what, like two weeks into the preseason? Two weeks left, and the season's about to start, and they can his ass? Yeah, but Poor uh, guy. it's Mike Sherman. Yeah, but Kari Jones uh, is a very good hire for Montreal. I think he's going to do very well. Hey, listen. Well. Listen, if they lost th- uh, thirty-two to twenty-five last week with really a, a, a they're a subpar fr- subpar team right now. So you're absolutely right, Brock. I think Kahari Jones is a great hire, great football guy, uh, great CFL career. Won, he won a great cup, yeah. You know, so he's got a pedigree. No, I think he'll do well. Um, okay, who's so going have, first? Uh, what do you think, Curdy? Uniforms. That we're talking. We're talking. Yeah, okay, we're Pierre. talking. Who are your uniforms? Or you, you want me to go ahead? Sure. Yeah, you go. Okay. I got my you own, right. and there's some that well, changed a, a bit, but I'll start with I'll start with I'll go nine to yeah. one. Worst okay, the first than for go sure. One nine. Yep. So, there is no there is no worst one. I they're all good. So it's I'm picking like good to great basically. Okay, that's my truly they're all good. Um, you're not gonna hurt their feelings. Go ahead. My my number nine is Edmonton just because I it's boring. Um. The double E on the helmet's nice, but the logo should be bigger on the helmet. It's it's too small for a big helmet. So, but the color scheme works. It's it's traditional, you know, Green Bay Packers of the CFL. Uh, so they'll be my number nine. My number eight. Um, I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go Ottawa. I, I just I like I like their uniform. I like the colors, but there's just too many. There's too much piping, and I'm not a big fan of the hashtag on the pants. Um, there's too many stripes. They should simplify it. Maybe put a stripe down the helmet would be nice uh, down the middle. The the R gets lost in the black uh, on the helmet, but uh, overall it's a nice it's a nice uni. Don't get me wrong. I just again I'm I'm going good to great here. Okay, uh, there's nothing bad about it. Um, it's number seven again. I'm being nitpicky here, but uh, Montreal. Uh, I, I like what they've done with the new the new marketing and the new helmet. I wish they would have gone with a, like a royal blue instead of the the navy. Uh, the helmet's really cool. The uniform leaves a little bit to be desired. It's kind of boring. Um, the numbers are flat. The stripe is flat. But that's kind of cool. Like old is new again, in, I find, in, in fashion. So I'll go Montreal at seven. Number six, I got to give it to the uh, Argos. Um, they kind of they kind of screwed up the uniforms this year. They had some really really beautiful uniforms last year, and they've removed the striping from the sleeves. Uh, but the double blues back on their on their numbers, so I'll, I'll give Toronto that slot. Um, next one up is uh, Hamilton. Um, they should be number one because they look like the Steelers. If I if that's up on what quick I would have guessed you'd put. Yeah, but their their jersey is missing something. It's specifically their home jersey. Their away jersey is really nice, the white with the black sleeves. But their home jersey's missing something. They've got a little tiger cat on the shoulder this year. To, it, it conflicts with the big cat on the helmet. It looks funny. 
they did they did put a yellow stripe down the down the top of the helmet nice touch um next one on my list is gonna be uh winnipeg it's a nice color scheme man royal blue and gold beautiful blue bombers like oh i hate them but uh, i love their uniforms uh calgary gets the next spot I just like the helmet. The helmet always works. It, again, a lot of piping. They're kind of like in the red blacks in terms of like stripes and stuff. But um, Saskatchewan is uh, number two on my list. I know, guys. I know. I know. Settle down. They're they're number two on my list. If they wear the retros with the old S, they 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 jump to number one. But the green and white, how do you go wrong? And number one, and I don't know if you guys have seen BC's uniforms this year, but they've they've gone back to the old logo on their helmet. And how do you go wrong with black and orange with that old BC logo with the with the lions? So, um, anyway, that's my list: BC number one, Saskatchewan number two, um, Calgary number three. All right. Um. Well, we have some that are similar. Uh. So. I went to the new era and got like the, the pictures and took a look at everything. And uh, my worst of first is uh, actually I have Calgary as the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know what? And it drops and, you know, uh, you'll see later too that I dropped them. But Ottawa has that same thing. I hate when the collar of the jersey is a different color. So Calgary has like the black collar and Ottawa has like the red. I really don't like that. Um, Calgary is a lot better, and I agree with you. It's good and great. Calgary's uniforms this year are way better than they've been the last couple of years because their helmets were atrocious. They had that like fade black to red thing, and it was just horrible. But they also yeah. got docked a bit of points because of all that. I just don't like them. Um, the Alouettes were my next one. Um this is the one where I'm saying the helmets are not as bad as the preliminary images that I'd seen. Um, actually, the hats that they have coming out with New Era that has that same type of uh, has that logo just on the front, very basic. The the navy blue with just the red vert, it looks really good. Um, yeah. So that's probably my favorite lid when uh, New Era comes out with them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I got them there. Hamilton is the next one. Uh, it was kind of tough, but uh, I prefer basic logos, so that's why I put Edmonton above Hamilton. Fascinating. Um, yeah, they're just it's just a classic. Edmonton, those uniforms have not changed a whole lot. You know, nothing super dr- uh, drastic, um, and it does have that, like, Green Bay kind of feel to it. Um, so tradition got some points there. I got Saskatchewan next. Is this a Kelly green? A boy. So, uh, not too bad. Their new news look pretty good. Then I have Winnipeg who, uh, I thought their uniforms now look really good. They're sharp. Um, Ottawa is next. I do like the black. Um, they're, they got docked because of that color of the, the collar. Um, I don't like that. But overall, I, I I really do like their logo, their lids. Um, anyway, I like the uniforms. Toronto, I thought looked really good too. I like the double blue. I think they're doing a really good job with the double blue this year. Um, 
And then obviously BC, uh, we're agreeing with BC. Uh, orange has always been on the top of my list in terms of uh, of colors, but what they've done with their helmets this year has really elevated their um, their uniforms from last year. I liked last year's. I, they still probably were my favorite uniforms last year, but I find that the helmet going back to the oh. traditional is, uh, you know, just yeah. bumped them up even more. What a great call. I like that. I mean, that list makes sense. Uh, Curdy? Me? Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail. I'll just give you my worst stuff first. I will. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was really expecting you to come back and be like, you know what? I just listened to the two of you guys, and this is stupid. Sayonara. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing. No, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I nodded off three times. So I'm going <laughs> to go worst to first. I'm going to go Montreal, um, Edmonton. Calgary, uh, Toronto, uh, Ottawa, and then I'm going to go BC, Saskatchewan, and number one, I'm going to take Winnipeg. Hey. Oh, Saskatchewan in the top three on all of our lists. Thanks, boys. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I like the Woo. green. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like the green, too. Uh, Winnipeg, that's a good choice. Winnipeg was very high on my Woo. list. I thought they look really good now. Yeah, I like that uh, light blue with the gold. So. Nice touch. Ooh. I didn't say I like the team. It's the uniform. Right. It doesn't oh, okay. mean anything. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you go by the old look good, play good mantra. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Yeah. We'll see what happens tomorrow night. Yeah, we will. I look forward to it. Having a couple of wobbly pops and watching Yes, the game. sir. We uh, we didn't get to the West. Um, We're not getting to think, the West. What do you think, Brock? Yeah, the West is the West is actually funny because uh, it's the interesting conference. It's true uh, where all the quarterbacks got shuffled around, and uh, it's going to be a dogfight right to the end with uh, with Edmonton, BC, Winnipeg, Saskatchewan. I don't see them really hanging tough unless their defense can make some plays in Calgary. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the West. It's going to be awesome. And boys, it would be so great if and when. The CFL gets that team in the uh, in the East Coast to make this an even five and five. Um, I'm so looking forward to like the Atlantic Schooners coming to town. It's gonna be cool, no? Absolutely, I think we we need that tenth team, right? It, it just makes sense to have five and five and no none of this crossover playoff spot. Uh, yeah, garbage and uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be awesome. They take a trip down out east and uh, party it up down there. I'm sure it'd be a blast. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Brock, have you played out east? Did you ever play any any uh, call it any uh, university games out east? No, I can honestly I have not. That's one of the few places I haven't. But no, I've heard nothing but good things. But uh, nope, never had that opportunity. I think it's going to be wild. I, you know they they've had um, a room at the CFL uh, you know annual Great Cup party week. You know every team has a party room. The Atlantic Schooners have always have a party room um, every year, even though they don't have a team. Um, so, you know, it, it's been years in the making. I hope it happens. Randy Ambrosi has been a, a commissioner that clearly he gets things done more so than any commissioner I can remember. Uh, the one dude before him, I think, was just atrocious. I don't even know who it was. He was a non-existent commissioner. So I don't even want – he doesn't even warrant – any airtime i'm just i'm really happy that the cfl got ambrosi in there i think he's doing a great job mm-hmm. all right 
Well, uh, that concludes our CFL segment of CFL East and uh, also our longest podcast I think we've done. So my editing is going to have to be uh, on point to get this to a bearable length. So we probably it's going to be outstanding. Minutes of uh, baseball talk between us, probably. Yeah, it's going to be outstanding. Listen, I, uh, Kurt, we we need to have you back for the West. Are you you willing to come back on with us and do the West? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Fantastic, Uh, Brock. Yeah, Kurt, just one more thing. OJ's got a Twitter account now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, I, I, do we pull up that soundbite of the him announcing his return to the, um, to, I don't know, to the World Wide Web, I guess? I, uh, <laughs> yeah, have you listened to it, Curtis? Me? Oh, I've, I've listened to it, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we, we, maybe we should just replay it again for uh, listeners here. This is OJ back with a uh, warning to people. With a, a very stern warning to people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, underhanded sort of. I want to be the first to say, OJ, welcome, uh, welcome to Twitter, <laughs> welcome to, uh, we love, we love, we love you. I don't. We please. don't want OJ to know about us whatsoever. No, his facial expressions during that video are off the charts. His like, we got some getting even to do. Very like, I'm gonna kill somebody, I'm gonna, and I'm then kill somebody. <laughs> God bless. It's so great. Smile and nod and get out. It's it's scary. Oh, there was Kurt, already a, a story out with the, he was having a uh, a private DM exchange. Oh, with, yeah. uh, one of the fake accounts and like uh, sending knife emojis and all this stuff. It's 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 crazy. And apparently he's being investigated for that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he I don't think he knows how to how a DM works. I think he thinks well, this is private. This guy can he, well no share. It's not it's private. It's a DM, right? Like, <laughs> I don't even think no. He, he was even going through. Right. So clearly. And, uh, you know, the uh, the guy, all you know, I think the, the concept of a snapshot with your phone or whatever, I don't think he knows any about anything about that stuff. I think he's like he's just getting on Twitter now, like uh, after, you know, I, I, it's very, biz- it's very bizarre. And, you know, I'm not sure if you ever heard the audio when he held those guys hostage after they stole all his memorabilia in the hotel room when, when his last stint in prison, which was crazily not, had nothing to do with him committing a double homicide allegedly allegedly uh, <laughs> yeah he killed two people anyways he um that it was it was scary audio he's like i'm going to if you guys don't give me back my shit i'm going to kill you here you know so obviously he did some time for that but uh, are we seeing like all jokes aside that that dm is that something that you think was fabricated or was that like a legitimate yeah, it's so hard to tell these days. What people are just looking for hits or anything, so you know it could easily be a fake, a fake thing. Who knows? You think he'd be that stupid to write something like that? Like I, he wrote a book. If I would have done it, it would have been like this. <laughs> anyway, we can go on and on as per 
the evidence of a two-hour podcast. But <laughs> OJ will be a topic for another time. Curtis, thank you so much for your help. All right, boys. That's Thanks, been good. our episode. Field, make sure you guys subscribe to the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, subscribe, rate, review, share, all that good stuff. And uh, give us your comments, good or bad. I have a feeling the length is going to be a comment that comes back to us this time. <laughs> but whatever. That's it for us. We'll talk to you guys Woo! later.